0: Start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but we're going to end up in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we'll end up most of this today, but 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And as we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to use the screen behind me to show you something that um, many have seen already, but it's just a good reminder and it's an illustration of this passage 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and also uh eventually Ephesians chapter number 1. So I'll turn off the light here and pull down the screen and use this as an opportunity just to show something as a way of illustration. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and the message for today is in Christ. Those two words are so special, so necessary. Uh, they mean everything in the world to you, whether you know it or not. Second Corinthians 5, 17 again, Therefore, if any man, any person be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, and drop down to verse 17, For he hath made him, that's God, hath made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God, last two words, in him, in Christ. Let's pray and we'll go on today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity now to open the word and to look at what your word says. Help us to hear from you and to understand and even to gain more than we had before of your word help us to understand just the blessing and the importance the privilege of being in Christ we thank you for what a merciful gracious gift that you give to each and every human being that will place themselves in you and we thank you for it I pray if there's someone that is not saved, listen listening to my voice today that they would realize their need to trust in you and you alone and the benefits and the privileges that come with that And so we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. First of all, as we look at this passage in Christ, we see something here about being a new creature in him. Old things pass away. All things become new. And then verse 21, he hath made him, God made Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God, in him. And so point number one today, we have, if you are in Christ, we have his righteousness. And the way I illustrate that is with two columns. And I've done this many, many times. And I'm not saying it's a great illustration. It's just something that I probably heard from somewhere or, or whatever. But I have these two columns behind me and they illustrate Jesus' righteousness and mine. And the truth is, mine should be solid black, but then you'd have a hard time understanding the point. So, uh, because actually that column that you see on the screen is just from about age five. It got worse after that. Uh, But that's my sin under my column. And when, when Jesus Christ saved me, when he cleansed me and gave me a righteousness that I cannot earn, And you can try real hard all your life to have self-righteousness, but you'll find in the end of of time that it won't impress God. And uh, behind self-righteousness is still sin and uh, a self that is not impressive to God. But God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. And so when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, it was as if he crossed out our names and traded places with us. And it's as if I now have his righteousness and he took my sin that is what that verse is saying there that god made him to be sin for me who knew no sin that i could be made righteous in him you ask me why are you going to heaven it's not because i'm a pastor it's not because i'm an american It's not because I'm this or I'm a that. No, 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 no. It's because that right there. Because I'm righteous in him, not in myself. I don't have any self-righteousness. In fact, Isaiah says all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And so the blessing of being in him is I have his righteousness on my account and he took my account and died on the cross to pay for it. The Lord Jesus Christ died for the sin of the world. It's already paid for. But this transaction hasn't happened yet unless you've asked him to. Unless you have asked him to receive you and to save you, this part that I'm showing you right now has not happened for you yet. You need to be born again. You need his righteousness and you need him to take your sin on your, on your account for him for him to pay for that and that all comes through that phrase in christ or in him that's why how we can say in christ i am a new creature <clears throat> the thief on the cross could be a new creature because he was in christ the prisoners in prison the murderers whoever they might be in christ they can be new creatures that's the mercy and blessing of the gospel in christ new creatures i saw this on social media a while ago and I think it's a great way to illustrate how gracious God is to us. Saul became Paul. Saul, the, the Pharisee who persecuted and hounded the Christians in the early days of the of the early church. Saul, the great persecutor and was involved with <clears throat> the stoning of Stephen and certainly probably the, the death of others and certainly people were uh, and their lives, families were torn apart because of Saul. People went to heaven early like Stephen because of people like saul and yet saul got saved saul's wickedness was taken on christ's account and jesus said it's hard to kick in the pricks and saul turned to the lord jesus christ and was born again and his name was later changed to paul and he's now known as the apostle paul and someone said so so eloquently and so beautifully that this is how god's grace works when Saul finally died, when Paul, the Apostle Paul finally died, he was greeted by the Christians that he sent there earlier. He was greeted by some of the Christian martyrs that he had a part in sending there. Isn't that amazing grace? That's what salvation is. It's Jesus taking my sin and giving me a righteousness I did not earn. And so I uh, I, I saw this as well. It's the same concept, the idea of Christ's righteousness being imputed on me and his sin being, my sin being taken on him. Now, that's point number one. In Christ, we have his righteousness. But it doesn't stop there. And if it did stop there, it would be good news enough. I mean, just being saved is awesome. Just being born again and on your way to heaven. And and pretty much, that's what the thief understood. I'm going to heaven today as he hung on the cross next to Christ. But you know what? There's more to it than that. This in Christ has so many more benefits than that. Being in Christ isn't just being born again and having a righteousness that that is allowing you to go to heaven because it's his righteousness. There's some other things the Bible teaches us and we can look at those together as we look at Ephesians chapter number one. <clears throat> and Ephesians chapter one, there's a, a word in there that uh, matches with Romans chapter eight. And so I will read something out of romans chapter 8 as well but i'm going to be mainly basing in ephesians chapter number one for a minute but ephesians chapter one uh and verse well just we'll just start in verse number uh three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ this whole thing's about being in christ Now, if you're not saved and you're not born again, you're not in Christ. You might know about Christ. You might know a lot about Jesus Christ. But if you're not in him, you're not born again and you're not on your way to heaven. A lot of people have a false Christ. You know the Bible warns us of another Jesus and another gospel. But the Christ of the Bible, in Christ Jesus, this is what you have. Verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him and in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse 10 of Ephesians 1 says, That in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him chapter 3 verse 15 says the whole family in 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 whom the whole family heaven and earth is named you realize that we have that word there was in verse number five and six adopted when you are born again when you are saved when you are in christ you are adopted see jesus is god's only begotten son but salvation puts me in him salvation gives me the ability to be a joint heir with Christ. I am considered a son of God, not because I was born a son of God, but because I am in Christ who is the son of God. And because I am in him, I'm adopted just like he is the only begotten. I'm considered a son as well. That's what Romans 8 verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We're talking to someone recently about the fear that religion can bring. You know, if you have the real thing, you don't have to be motivated by fear. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the power of, love, of a power and of love and of a sound mind. If you're just a foster child, there's always the fear of getting kicked out. But if you've been legally adopted You are his and he is yours. And no matter how misbehaving I have been since my adoption, I am his and he is mine. I was telling someone recently about the difference between relationship and fellowship. When you are born into God's family, you are related you are one of his. You are you are related. You might say, well, that's not biologically correct. Doesn't matter. The Bible tells us that we are born again. Birth makes you related. It's not just adoption like we think of it. It's a new birth, new creature. In Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Someone might say, Satan might say, yeah, but they've got a past, and they used to be this, and they weren't born into God's family That's true, but they've been born again. And so they have a new lease on life. They are born into God's family. They are adopted. They are new people. And so relationship is something cannot change. I I go back sometimes and I'll visit people I haven't seen for a long time. And and they'll say to me, you look just like your dad. You know something? I think they're right. I I looked at a picture. My dad does take after me. You know, you can't change a relationship. When you're related, you're related. And there's been times, not recently, but there were times in my life where my father might have said, "Uh, I don't want anyone to know he's my son. But even if he said that, he couldn't change the relationship. If you're saved, that can't be changed. If you're born again, you is born again. But fellowship, fellowship's different. See, that was the problem. When I wasn't right with my father, the relationship was there, but not the fellowship. We use the word re- relationship in the wrong way. Re- when, usually when we talk about relationship, we're usually talking about fellowship. And, and fellowship is something that can be broken and can be harmed and scarred but relation cannot. And so I'm thankful because this adoption gives me a new birth and I am a part of the family of God. It says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. I don't have to fear of losing this adoption. I don't have to fear of being kicked out of the family. The Bible does not teach that. God has not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit itself, capital S, the spirit of self beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In my younger years, I doubted my salvation. As a young man, maybe seventh, eighth grade, I I I I, I doubted some things. I wondered, you know, because honestly, as a young boy, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I wondered, did I really understand? And the truth is, I didn't understand all of it. But you know what? I understood enough of it to know I need to be saved. But I think as time goes on, you you, you all of a sudden realize, I didn't appreciate the gift at the time I received the gift. Anybody else besides me been there? And you know what? That doesn't mean you didn't get saved. You just didn't appreciate how much of the gift you got when you got the gift. And I would doubt sometimes, and I'd wonder. But then my friend Billy had a father who was not saved. His mother was a Christian, but his dad wasn't. and, And everybody knew that, and so we would always pray for Billy's dad to get saved. And we pray, and I, as, even as a 6th grade, 7th grader, I'd pray. And one day in those early years, when I was just about 12, 13 years old, I was praying, and I was thinking about Billy's dad, how he needs to be saved. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, hey, you know how you always wonder sometimes about whether you're saved? The Holy Spirit said, why are you worried about Billy's dad getting saved if you aren't saved? Don't you think that probably isn't so? The Holy Spirit said, you're saved. That's why you're concerned about Billy's dad getting saved. Does that make sense? I don't know that he said it exactly like that, but that's how I heard it. And I thought, wow. And that's what the Bible's saying right there. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. We are the children of God. If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is there. See, if you're in Christ, guess who's in you? And the Holy Spirit is in you, speaking to you and helping you. It says later in this chapter, and even helps you to pray when you don't know how to pray. 1 John 3, you don't need to turn there, but it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, that we could be adopted. The world doesn't understand us, it says in 1 John chapter 3, but we're adopted into God's family. We are God's children, not by a physical birth, but by a spiritual birth. And It says in 1 John chapter 3, that those who are his will desire to be more pure like him because he is pure and we want to be like him. I've often said this when God adopted me as as an orphan and brought me into his home he took his word and began to show me through this word i want you to learn how to be like my only begotten son your behavior is not what it ought to be you're adopted you're loved you're you're born again you're in this family but my only begotten son is the perfect one and so my desire for you is to make you like him in case you didn't know this i ain't there yet but over the time that i've been living in his palace and observing his only begotten son. Slowly but surely. Things are starting to move in that direction. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. That we are. The children of God. See when you are saved. And you are in Christ. You have his righteousness. Not yours. And you have been adopted. Born again. Into the family. Of God. And Romans 8 verse 17 says. And if children. Children. Then heirs. You know, if you're a child, you get to inherit something. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. This is amazing. I have a joint inheritance with the son who deserved it all. See, if Jesus Christ hadn't died on the cross for any of us, if he had not died on the cross, he would get to keep it all for himself. And not only did he die to save us from hell, but he died to give us his inheritance. You know who deserves to be in heaven? Jesus. Nobody else. But you know who gets to go to heaven because of Jesus? All of us who are in him. If I were to stand before heaven's gate, I won't have to say this because I already know who I am, but if I stand before heaven's gate, why should we let you in? I'm a joint heir with the one who gave me. His inheritance. That's why I get to be here. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Go back to Ephesians chapter one, verse ten and eleven. That He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on the earth, even in Him. Verse eleven: In whom, in Jesus, in Christ, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him, worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom, in Christ, ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. I have an inheritance that I don't deserve. Verse 18 says, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It's his inheritance, but we have it. Verse 20, it says, which he, he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Chapter 2, verse 6 says, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus see Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the father but because I'm in him I'm considered there also I have a reservation you ever show up somewhere and you didn't have a reservation when I get to heaven the reason why I get to go in is because I got a reservation and he has made me sit together in heavenly places in Christ I have this inheritance not because I earned it not because I deserve it but because I'm in him and he saved me I have a joint inheritance Along the same lines in Ephesians chapter 1, again in verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. <clears throat> verse 11, in whom we also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of people who are getting sideways about about this these verses and it's because i think they just missed the point here there's something called calvinism i reject it it's the idea that god has decided before the foundations of the earth who would be born and be saved and who would be born and be lost and you're just predestined to go to heaven and you're predestined to go to hell I heard uh, a well-known preacher, John MacArthur, say something very similar to that on the radio a couple of weeks ago. He's, he's very well-known. He's heard on the radio. Listen, I reject it. The idea that God predestines people to hell, that's not in the Bible. You say, but pastor, chosen is in there and predestined is in there, so how in the world can you... Listen, there's only one person that's chosen and there's only one person that's elect and there's only one person that's predestinated. His name is Jesus Isaiah 42 clearly tells us that Jesus is the elect. But pastor, the Bible also talks about other saints who are elect. Yes, and you know how anyone else can be elect? It's the title of our sermon. In Christ. Years ago, before the days of computer, there was a man in California who got on an airplane His desire was to go from Southern California to Oakland, California, somehow through human error, before the days of barcodes and all that kind of stuff that kind of keeps everything perfectly ordered, you know, with computerization and all that, when it was back in the old days of, you know, people hand-punching and crossing off names, this poor man got on a plane and he thought he was going to Oakland, California, and he ended up in Auckland, New Zealand. that's a bummer that's a lot longer flight than Oakland, California he probably didn't pack very well but you know why it happened because he got on the plane that was predestined to go to Auckland see if you get on something that's predestined you is going whether you liked it or not and the reason why I'm going to heaven is I'm in Christ and he's the one that's going See when Noah had that ark, it was predestined to float. And everybody who got in the ark was predestined to float also. This idea that God chooses, no no no, God just predestines the elect who is his son and everyone who is in him gets all the benefits that goes with that. It's very simple. A lot of people don't like it because it's too simple, but it's obvious. And so when it says, before the foundation of the world, he's chosen his own son. And then all who choose him are part of the chosen as well. We are the elect because we're in Christ, not because we are something. The thief on the cross was not something, but he chose Jesus Christ. And he died in Christ. You and I are not impressive. We're not something. But because we are saved, we are chosen. We are adopted. We are a part of the elect. Now, here's where it gets gooder and gooder. Verse 7 In whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. My wife tells a story to the young people, and it's talked, I think the title of it's called The Twice Bought Boat. It's about this little boy named Jimmy who who took a boat and took some wood and started carving a boat and making a sailboat and it's a beautiful little sailboat that he did. Good job with it and whittled on it and whittled on it and made a little a little mast, a little rudder and it looked pretty sharp. And then he put a little sail on the on the mast and he painted it all and, and it looked pretty impressive for a young a young boy. And of course, after you make something like that, what do you got? You got you got to try it out. So. Little Jimmy went down to uh, the little creek there and the little river there where they live by, and, and he stuck it in a little along the bank. Then he's just watching He'd run along the shore and he'd, and he'd watch his sailboat going down. Well, Augusta Wind picked up, and all of a sudden there was a little hook and crook in the creek, and next thing you know, the boat's going faster than Jimmy can follow it. And pretty soon Jimmy's boat's gone. It's just taken off down to the main tributary, and he can't keep up with it. And all that work and all that effort and everything that he had spent so much time on, he watched it just sail away. Several weeks later, he was with his parents and they were walking by the pawn shop window and they looked in the window and there was his boat in the pawn shop window. Jimmy's, Mom, Mom, that's my boat! And he ran inside the store and he grabbed the owner. He said, that's my boat. That's my, I made that boat and I lost it a couple of weeks ago. The pawn shop owner said, well, I'm sorry. Someone came in and sold it to me. But that's my, look, and he turned it over. That's my initials right there. I carved them. Son, I believe you. I believe this is your boat. But I paid this amount of money for that boat. And you want that boat, you're going to have to buy it. Jimmy went home and broke the piggy bank and bought the boat he made what's the moral to that story that's redemption the Lord Jesus Christ made you and then he lost you and then he paid for you again that's redemption and we in verse 7 have redemption through his blood and here's even better the forgiveness of sins. Unlike the boat, we ran from God on purpose. We we sinned selfishly. We disobeyed the word of God. We got ourselves into a mess. And it's amazing. But Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. If you'll read it with me, Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are always good people. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which give a good amount to the church's offering. No. There is therefore now no condemnation To them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Maybe you have a criminal record. And maybe someone points their finger at you and they say, I happen to know your past. You go to Romans chapter 8 and you say, but there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. This world has condemnation, but guess what? This world's going to pass away. And and all the records are going to pass away. And the thief who died on the cross because of his crime entered heaven with no condemnation because he was in Christ Jesus. Jesus. He found out and learned what forgiveness was. Wow. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 says it this way. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that pretty much covers all of us some way or another. Verse 11 says, And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye redeemed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. See, in Christ I have his righteousness and in Christ I have his sonship I'm adopted like a son, like he is the only begotten. I'm now a son of God as well. In Christ, not only am I adopted, I have a joint inheritance. And in Christ, I am the elect. Not because I am on my own. But in him, I am one of the chosen. And in Christ, I am forgiven. And then back in Ephesians chapter 2. It says in verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, anyone who gets adopted, he he previously ordained that that's what would be the plan, that you would walk in the steps of Christ. So in Christ, I am his workmanship. I am a new creature, as we read earlier. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I'm his artwork. I own a couple of, John Crane paintings not very big or expensive ones but I own a few and I impressed, I'm impressed with his artwork and if if I'm waiting to get into the Alpine I'll walk a couple blocks down and walk through the store and look at the artwork and, um, and a lot of times <clears throat> a lot of times I can recognize his painting without even having to go look in the corner to see if it because there's other artists in there other paintings in there and and I can recognize that's a John Crane. And I look in the, and, and of course I, but since I'm not an expert, I look in the corner, yep, there's his name. There's another guy, his name is Thomas Kincaid. I can recognize a Thomas Kincaid because it's just the way he paints. Painter of light. And I'll, and I'll, that looks like Thomas. I look, yep, there's his name. And then there's this, um, this cowboy uh, painter uh, from Montana. Uh, All of a sudden, my mind went blank. I can't say his name. Anybody want to help me out? Yeah, Charlie Russell. Why couldn't I say that? Charlie Russell. We used to have a Charlie Russell painting. And uh, you can recognize a Charlie Russell typically just by the way it looks. Look in the corner. There it is, Charlie Russell. And you know what? As a believer... Who got adopted into God's family? In the beginning, it doesn't always—it doesn't always look like First John three says. It does not always appear what we shall be. <clears throat> and um, the artwork's not done yet; it's not a finished product. And so you look at it, and there's just kind of blotches, and it doesn't quite make sense, and there's smears here and there. But it's a beginning of something that the artist is doing. But eventually, you start to recognize the artwork. Eventually, I like to pick on Mr. Spear. He's not here today. Eventually, it's like, whoa. He's not just Ron Spear. He's he's Ron Spear the Christian. He's starting to show evidence of being like Jesus Christ. Now, don't tell him I said that. Have you ever been at a store or somewhere in a large gathering and, and you say, I'll bet they're a Christian. They, they didn't have like a sign on their forehead, but there was just something about the artwork that reminded you of the author. And they didn't have to wear a bumper sticker or even have a necklace with a cross on it. There's just something about them that's like, and so you go up to them and say, are you a believer? Are you a Christian? I thought so before I even examined the corner to see the name I recognized. See, when you're in Christ, you're a new creature. And we are his workmanship. Years ago, a lady named Colleen said, when I got saved, she said, I went to work the next day, and my boss, I was a secretary, and, my, and I was working. In, and by the end of the day, my boss came out and said, Colleen, what happened to you? What's what, what's, what's happened to you? She said, I, I guess there was enough change in one day that she started noticing something. Maybe I just wasn't saying the things I used to say or complaining. But I'm just saying, sooner or later, all of a sudden, people are like, I've seen that painting before, or I've seen a painting like that before. You remind me of the artist. Isn't it a blessing if you remind someone of God, the artist? But let me just say, you don't remind people of God, the artist, when you act like your old self. But when you're in Christ, and he's making you a new creature, old things start to pass away, and all things start to become new. And now it's not our work, but his workmanship begins to take over and to develop into something that points people to the artist. And if you say, but pastor, I'm embarrassed about my old life. I'm embarrassed about the days when I lived in the orphanage. And I don't, I'd rather not people know about that. Listen to me. If they know about it and they see what he's done now, Don't rob the artist of his glory. Don't rob the artist of what people, because your painting can point and people can say, I can't believe what he did with you. Yeah, but that's because he's God. We're his workmanship. And then number seven. I mentioned how that in Ephesians chapter 3 it says of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I'm part of the family of God and so is Abraham. Galatians chapter number 3, King David and I are in the same family. Every believer you read in the Old Testament is my family too. You and I, if we're saved, we're part of the family of God. The whole family, a lot of them are in heaven, some are still on earth, but the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 7, it says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham? Verse number 9 says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse number 16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ." See, really, Abraham just had one main seed. And everyone who is in Christ is part of that lineage. And verse 26 says, For ye are all, no, excuse me, verse, uh, well, I'll go to 26 for the sake of time. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. I know you're proud of your lineage and where you came from, But that's just physical, and that's just temporary. But Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Nicodemus was a Jew. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and yet he was told by Jesus himself, you must be born again. Verse 26 of Galatians says, You are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. See, back two thousand years ago and before, if you were a Greek, you couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't go into the holy, the holy place. You couldn't go into a certain past the certain courtyard of the temple. You weren't allowed in there. But now, Ephesians chapter two, if you would have kept reading, it says he has made both one, and broken down the middle wall of partition between us. In Galatians 3 and verse 27, as many of you have been baptized into Christ, put on Christ, and there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. It doesn't matter if you're a free person or you're in bondage. And back then, of course, there was a lot of slaves in bondage. There is neither male nor female. Even if you were a Jew, if you were female, you, you couldn't go certain areas of the temple. You couldn't go into the presence of God. This was a new concept for people. but it says at the end of verse 28 for you are all one not two there's a false religion and a false teaching out there that's trying to keep people separated the Bible says God's no respecter of persons God's not prejudiced and God's not a racist I don't care what everybody else is saying I'm just showing you what the Bible says you're all one in Christ Jesus there ought not be a black church and a white church You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In Christ, I am a seed of Abraham. Pastor, who owns all that real estate over there that they keep fighting about? There's a huge war about to start because of it. Who owns it? Jesus Christ and those who are in him. I don't like that. Well, a bunch of temporary people. Question, either side in Christ? Nope. Are either side in Christ? For the majority, no. So a bunch of temporary people on both sides killing each other. Over temporary real estate that's going to melt one day. But I am in Christ, and so therefore I am a child of Abraham, according to the word of God. Well, pastor, that means you own it. I've been there. I don't want it. It's a mess. Instead, I read about a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. I'm looking forward to that. Besides, I'm not in charge. He is. He said, I don't know about that. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Romans chapter 2. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. See, I said it at the beginning, I'll say it again. That phrase, in Christ, changes everything. If you are a religious person, but you are not in Christ, let's say you're Nicodemus, the Jew, the Pharisee, and you never got saved. I think Nicodemus did get saved. I think Nicodemus did get born again. But if you are a religious Pharisee Jew, and you've got all this pedigree and lineage that you can point to, but you die without being in Christ, you know where you go? You go to hell. doesn't matter what your pedigree is. Let's say that you are one of the most sleaziest, worst human beings the world's ever seen. You are just disgusting as a human being. But before the end of your time on earth, you receive the gospel and you are born again and you are saved and you are now one of the chosen because you are in Christ. I'm saying that that person who does not deserve it is in Christ and will go in before the person who thinks they deserve it because of Christ. This does not hamper me in my dealing with human beings. My father used to be a prison chaplain. My father would lay on the floor and talk to this little slot where they would feed, they'd slide the food in and then the empty tray would come back out. These guys were on death row. their solitary confinement. He'd lay on the floor and he'd talk to these people. He couldn't even see their face. And he talked to them about Jesus Christ. He would take me into some of these places and they were what they called death row or whatever and there's guys in there that were going to be there the rest of their lives. They'd never get out. What they did was a sentence of death and he would take me in as an 18, 19-year-old young man and I would go in and I would meet these guys and you can be sure I was a little bit apprehensive. But I am so thankful for that experience because I walked out of that prison that day and I've been in the Wyoming State Prison. I've been in the Washington State Prison. I've been in McNeil Island Prison in Washington. And I walked out of that prison in Wyoming, the first one I ever went to, I walked out and I thought two things. I thought, oh God, thank you that I don't have to spend the rest of my life here. But then I realized something. Oh God, thank you for helping me to see that even though there are people who probably naturally deserve to spend the rest of their lives paying for the crime they've committed, I know that I met Christians in there people who are in Christ and let me just say if that bothers you I wonder if you're in Christ and enough of this racism and this this carnal fighting Christians our job is to point people to Jesus Christ and to tell them you get in Jesus Christ doesn't matter where your background's from doesn't matter what your record is you can still be in christ maybe you need to go to prison but you can still be in christ never forget over in wyoming a prison warden the assistant warden said to me when i was discussing some of the situations and the burdens that i had well you know these guys are never going to they're never going to heaven No, some of them are. That's why I go back. And if you think that prisoners can't go to heaven or that this race or this race can't go to heaven or that these people aren't as good as these people because of their skin color or their pedigree, you have lost what it means to be in Christ. Because I was just a sailboat who got lost. And it was my own fault I got lost. But my maker was willing to buy me again and to make me a new creature. And now I'm just a beggar telling other beggars where to find the bread. And it's just because I'm in Christ. Not because of self-righteousness, but because of what he did for me when he gave me his righteousness. And you'll not get to heaven any other way. He told one man, you will not see the kingdom of God unless you're born again, unless you are in Christ. And that's the same for you and I. You will not see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And if you don't know Christ as your savior and you don't have that blessed assurance and there's no spirit inside you witnessing that to you, you need to question that and you need to get in Christ Jesus. And once you're in, you're in. You're on that predestined ship headed wherever it's going. It's going to heaven. Praise God for salvation. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our heads bowed, and our eyes closed. Would there be anyone that would say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm in Christ. I know a lot about Jesus Christ. I know a lot about the Bible, but I don't think I'm in Christ. Would there be anyone that say, Pastor, I don't think I'm really in Christ Jesus? Anyone at all? Just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor, I need help. And those that are Those of us who are born again, please understand it doesn't matter how impossible the situation looks. All that person needs, that impossible person you're thinking about, all that person needs is to be in Christ Jesus. Let's focus on that. Let's tell others what we got when we got saved. Let's talk about the adoption. Let's talk about the inheritance. Let's talk about the forgiveness. Let's show people what we get that we don't deserve just by believing and trusting in him. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you give us worthless beings the privilege and opportunity to be in Christ. That you would allow us to to hear and understand the gospel message to make a decision to be in Christ. Lord, help us not to get sidetracked and off track about other issues help us to point people to you in these days ahead help us to desire one thing and one thing only that people turn to you and place themselves in you and thank you god for that election and predestination that takes all of us in you to heaven lord help us to walk with you and to realize the privilege and opportunities we have in you and help us to share those blessings with someone around us and help us to desire to see past the outside and see the inward that needs to be born again. May we love our neighbor and may we desire for them to be in you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.